0: One in 10 Americans is currently living with a documented penicillin allergy. Among the first to effectively treat bacterial infections, penicillin antibiotics are an important tool in healthcare. However, for 30 million people in the U.S., this family of drugs is not an option. This leads to patients being prescribed more toxic antibiotics that can lead to life-threatening conditions like C. diff. colitis. Penicillin allergies are often diagnosed during childhood, but rarely followed up on throughout the rest of the patient's life. This leads to many people incorrectly believing they have a penicillin allergy. Dr. Kimberly Blumenthal of Massachusetts General Hospital believes that correctly diagnosing penicillin allergy has important clinical implications for patients and economic impacts for the healthcare system as a whole. Dr. Kimberly Blumenthal is an allergist, immunologist, and an assistant professor of medicine at Massachusetts General Hospital. Hi, Dr. Blumenthal, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. You're an allergist and a clinical researcher studying drug allergies. What drugs do you study in particular?
1: I study mostly antibiotics and antibiotic allergy. And that is for a few reasons, mostly because Antibiotics are some of the most commonly implicated drugs for drug allergy, so it's sort of a natural thing that I should study antibiotics and their um, allergic response, but also because it's really in the case of infectious diseases treatment where having an allergy can uh, alter decision-making in a, in a meaningful way. So I was able to focus on antibiotic allergy because they're prevalent and impactful. How common are these allergies? Well, our most commonly reported allergy in uh, America and worldwide is penicillin. And so penicillin was uh, invented, um, you know, was in use by the 1940s. And uh, soon thereafter, there were reports of anaphylaxis or a life-threatening allergic reaction to penicillin. And because penicillin is one of our oldest drugs and because it was used to cure a lot of infections over a long period of time, Most the most common allergy out there is penicillin just by use of a drug. Um, and so that is 10% of Americans. So that's over 30 million Americans who have a, an allergy on their record of a penicillin allergy. Either they remember the allergy or somebody told them about the allergy. And so it's not always a true allergy, but about um, one in 10. That's funny. I'm allergic to penicillin, but not because I actually know,
0: because my parents told me. (laughs) I was
1: going to say that. I don't like to blame moms, because I am a mom, but there's a lot of, uh, my mom told me I was allergic to penicillin, Mm -hmm. and I see that a lot, and that's hard um, to go through life not knowing if you are allergic or whether you're Mm -hmm. not, because with penicillin allergy, there are um, a lot of relatives of penicillins that are used for common infections, and they're old, trusted, safe Um, safer than a lot of other antibiotics to use. And so it's hard when you have to work under the assumption you're allergic to penicillin, but you don't really know. How did you get into this work?
0: What's your background, how you
1: ended up here? So I'm internal medicine trained and uh, I did my uh, internal medicine residency at Mass General Hospital. And during my residency, I saw the impact of allergies on care and just purely... Um, The idea that you're admitting a patient to the hospital and you look at their medical chart to sort of understand who they are before you go meet them. And uh, you'd look at the chart and you'd see so many allergies. So at least... Half of our patients had one or more drug allergy, and often the reason why they have those drug allergies is because somebody thought that was a good medicine to prescribe them for something, right? It's not an arbitrary allergy that doesn't impact their decision-making. So we would see cancer patients allergic to their chemotherapy. We would see patients having a heart attack allergic to uh, aspirin which they need we would see then patients allergic to penicillin who needed penicillin or a relative and so it was seeing the how this changed decision making um, that made me want to learn about how we uh, document and how we think about allergies and how and when we should be evaluating them further um, there are some tests for allergies and some tests not and so where really the gaps are in our knowledge. Mm is there a way to find out if you're allergic to penicillin? I I mean, I know the answer is
0: yes, but how do you go about doing that, even in, in this space where you talk about people like myself who say, oh, I'm allergic to penicillin because historically my parents have told me I'm allergic to penicillin?
1: Yeah, so with penicillin, and this is unique to penicillin right now, we mm. have an FDA-approved drug test, like a drug allergy test for penicillin. Um, uh, that doesn't mean that allergists cannot test to a whole host of other drugs. The way that the test was invented was to identify the, um, the parts of penicillin, the breakdown products that we're allergic to and sort of what happens in the body when uh, someone who is allergic to penicillin um, has a reaction. And so this test um, is a skin test and not a blood test which would be more useful for sort of spreading across America. It's a skin test and it's been developed, um, it's been around since 1960 and then commercially available just since 2009. So my whole sort of practice as an allergist, this kind of just came out and is, Uh, now we have to figure out how to use it best in people like you actually. So Mm -hmm. um, you're lucky in that you live in Boston and we have like allergy specialists who are trained to do skin tests. We have Mm -hmm. so many of them compared to the majority of the country where you might not that nobody might know how to do this. And mm. so um, it's a, um, it's a specialized procedure that just involves ex, a little extra training. Um, but that any, you know, physician, uh, pharmacists are doing it in some states, um, nurse practitioners, physicians, assistants. Mm. So it's a, it's a test that really takes about 45 minutes to do, and would tell you whether or not you have an allergy to penicillin. Mm. Um, it's about 95% correct. And then we get that extra 5% by giving you amoxicillin and watching you. And Mm. uh, that's called an amoxicillin challenge where I don't, the terminology (laughs) is the same uh, as food allergy. We call Mm -hmm. these things challenges. We challenge you to have a reaction or not have a reaction. But it's, um, uh, we we will capture uh, then almost all reactions um, either in front of us that are severe and then also sometimes I have to tell my patients that um, really you can have a reaction that night or the next day, but usually it's more mild, but just please let me know because we will capture a lot of the reactions through that t- sort of testing sequence, the skin test and the challenge test. Hmm.
0: You recently received the K grant to study clinical and economic impact of penicillin allergy. How
1: did the idea of the
0: study come about?
1: Because the penicillin allergy um, impacts decision making and there's a test for it, it was really the best first drug allergy to study because um, just even the prevalence of reported penicillin allergy being one in 10, it kind of resonates with a lot of people. And it's Mm -hmm. a public health problem we have in America in that. We need to use antibiotics wisely because of antibiotic resistance, because of um, healthcare associated infections, and overuse of antibiotics is a big deal. So sometimes that overuse is just inappropriate prescribing, and there are a whole host of people working on that. But then I saw this opportunity to sort of make sure that none of those patients are getting these um, less effective drugs or different drugs because of their allergy status. And there were a few clinical situations in my head with where a penicillin allergy in my head would have resulted in negative outcomes. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to be able to measure those outcomes um, of just taking your word for it. You have a penicillin allergy, what happens to you over time? And that was um, that's really the, the meat of the K award. I also think that these consequences are costly and that putting a dollar sign at the end of my studying um, of this would be mm-hmm. a useful thing for us to realize that Um, Any cost associated with um, doing the test and getting the procedure done um, is going to be offset by the savings down the road as far as the – uh, consequences that we studied the outcomes, but we have to figure out whether it's saving. It's, is it cost saving for the whole, everybody, everybody mm-hmm. to have uh, penicillin allergy test when, maybe when you turn 18, maybe when, uh, two years after your original reaction, five years after your original reaction. So I wanted to try to find out, um, what, what the major outcomes that would cost patients, um, Health and dollars, and the healthcare system—sort of negative outcomes and healthcare dollars—and then, in those circumstances, um, do economic analyses.
0: Um, so you just talked about the clinical and economic impacts. How are you going to go about measuring each of those?
1: Yeah. So with uh, sometimes I've had to look outside the U.S., which I had originally proposed to really focus on U.S. data. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things that's really challenging is to know. Um, to study allergy in America. So Mm -hmm. we put allergies, medication allergies, in what we call the allergy section of the health record. And that's pretty unreliable. And uh, there's no national data set of allergy uh, records. So I really wanted to be able to make projections that were generalizable for the U.S. rather than local. Um, I had to study really local, looking at Mass General or looking at Partners Healthcare System Mm -hmm. um, because of this limitation. We don't use um, traditionally a lot of the research methods that I use like are considered health services research where you look at large kind of claims data, but there aren't – you don't bill for an allergy, so it's hard to detect allergies. So I realized pretty early on that I'd have to change up my methods a little bit. Um, We bill for anaphylaxis or we bill for rash or you bill for like the reaction, and it's hard to really detect the true incidence of allergic reactions with our – uh, with with measuring, looking at large data sets retrospectively, so looking back. Mm-hmm. So I've had to sort of shift gears a little bit. I borrowed a data set from the United Kingdom, mm-hmm. which helped me look at uh, C. diff colitis, which is a um, terrible diarrheal disease that occurs after antibiotic use in some patients. And I uh, identified that if you had a penicillin allergy recorded, you were at higher risk, higher incidence of having C. diff. Um, and then I use that same data set to look at um, MRSA, which is methicillin resistant staph aureus. It's um, a resistant bug that staph is OK living on our skin. It might be resistant. It might be not. I looked at MRSA colonization and infection and found that if you had a penicillin allergy, you were increased incidence of MRSA. And the um, although you can't. This wasn't a randomized controlled trial, so you can't really say this caused this. But what we did is we looked at the intervening antibiotics that were used in these patients. And so they were followed for about six years. And you could see that they were prescribed alternative antibiotics, not penicillins and not relatives, and that some of that increased risk was due to those sort of changed decision making. So it was my way of also looking at, well, could we make a dent by systematically evaluating penicillin allergies? Um, So I have looked... um, At those outcomes uh, internationally, and then at Mass General, we looked at this uh, infection called surgical site infection. So before Mm -hmm. you go to surgery, um, uh, you have an antibiotic that's used to prevent infections. And the antibiotic used in America for most surgeries is a close relative of penicillin. Mm -hmm. And so we looked and said, just even at Mass General, what happens when you have a penicillin allergy recorded? And any record of a penicillin allergy meant that only 13% of them got that indicated drug, which is called cefazolin. And so only 13% were get in, you know, in a place with allergists and where people are aware of quality and stewardship. Um, so it, it seemed like a good opportunity to, um, to look at the harm associated with that. So we mm. looked and we found that the penicillin allergy patients had a 50% increased risk of surgical site infection, and that the reason was just this antibiotic choice. Um, and surgical site infections are so 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 rare, mm-hmm. and but these are morbid, and the hospitals don't like them. The surgeons don't like them. So it's it's something that. Um, Every year, the hospitals and the surgeons are trying to reduce their numbers of infections. So anything you can do. So it turns out that maybe anything you can do since that paper um, was recently published, we've been able to um, see more of the surgical patients in our allergy practice clinically. And my colleagues are trying to make um, ways for them to come in to be evaluated before operations. So I think one of the nicest things about this sort of research area is that we can find things and maybe do something about it because it's penicillin and there's a test.
0: How are physicians responding to patients' adverse reactions to penicillin? Um, In other words, if a patient has a reaction to penicillin, are they automatically labeled as having an allergy?
1: Yeah, we are trying to change this a little bit. But in general, the way that allergies are recorded are the way that when you go see your doctor or dentist and they basically confirm an allergy with you, or do you have any medication allergies? And you say penicillin or tetracyclines. or And um, they may ask that what was the reaction. But maybe that's just it. What was the allergy? And you just write down that allergen into the chart. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's, that's part of the problem in that we're not asking more details because then uh, no details become available later. So it's really important for whoever's seeing new allergic reactions because don't get me wrong. Penicillin causes a lot of allergy, and so do Mm -hmm. most of the drugs we use all the time, um, can cause allergic reactions. And so, the best thing to do is to really document symptoms. And I mean, now we have camera phones, so rashes can be documented on camera phones, and really making this um, uh, a diagnosis in itself. Like, what is the allergy? It shouldn't just be a line in the allergy list, it should be The patient had a macular papular rash to amoxicillin on day four after starting a seven-day course, right? There should be more to that. There was no breathing trouble. They never went to the hospital. They didn't need epinephrine. They were treated with some antihistamine. So there's more to – a diagnosis of a reaction than we ever gave it credit for in this tiny little allergy box. Um, I mean, I make my life out of that allergy box, but mm-hmm. um, it's it's that we can um, ask more questions and document better, and then we can reevaluate later. So uh, with children, children get rashes. Just mm-hmm. children get rashes a lot. And they may or may not be on amoxicillin when they get this rash, and the rash might be from their ear infection underlying uh, infection, a viral infection. The rash could be related to the penicillin or not. And so um, we have a lot of uh, adults now who were labeled as allergic when they were children. And you never know if that rash was even an allergy or not. Mm. And so right now, I think the biggest thing we can do to improve this documentation problem is to just revisit the issue. If you see a kid with a rash and you think maybe it is the amoxicillin, certainly add that to the little allergy record, but with as much detail as you can and don't let it sit for 18 years um, is sort of the, the message I think of my work so far. Why is penicillin so important? Yes. So penicillin um, is part of a class of antibiotics, which are the penicillins. And that includes amoxicillin, ampicillin, piperacillin, docloxicillin, so many things that ends in psyllin. (laughs) And it's part of a larger class called the beta-lactam antibiotics. And so a bunch of drugs that have this core uh, square-like structure um, are called beta-lactams. And that's the structure that helps it kill bacteria. And they have relatives called cephalosporins and relatives called carbapenems. And the cephalosporin relatives, or those are things like Keflex or cephalexin, Cefaclor, things that start with C-E-F mm-hmm. or C-E-P-H. And they all are related in that if you were deemed allergic to penicillin, for most of the time until maybe recently, you were avoiding all penicillins and cephalosporins, maybe all beta-lactams, because of a cross-reactivity concern. And so that really took out the largest class of antibiotics we have mm-hmm. and left you with um, alternative antibiotics that um, are often more broad spectrum, more toxic to individuals, mm-hmm. um, cause these C. Diff colitis more often. So that it wasn't surprising that this was happening because, um, you know, even our... Uh, at Mass General, when we were looking at the surgeries, only 13% of the penicillin allergic patients got that cephazolin, which is the cousin. Mm-hmm. It wasn't even that they didn't get penicillin, it was that there was a concern for cross-reaction.
0: What are your long-term goals for your research, and what do you hope it accomplishes? You talked about a bit of it with the clinical and economic outcomes and what you're doing there, but what would you say?
1: I want to figure out, um, who needs testing, what the safest types of testing are, what the most scalable types of testing are um, for penicillin allergy. I want to figure out um, the long-term impact of our evaluations, which no one's looked at, um, and how many people will get an allergy after. They're, we consider maybe a delabeling of a penicillin allergy, what happens after um I want to look at the whole spectrum. And so in order to do that, I've realized I have to do primary data collection, which is a different Mm -hmm. research method than I was planning on. And so I actually have to enroll patients and follow them over time Mm -hmm. um, to be able to see um, exactly who from a population level in the U.S. should be evaluated and when. And I think that those questions will take me my career to answer. (laughs) <laughs> I've realized I think that my K might have had some of that in there, but it really is that you need the right data inputs to be able to project things, to mm-hmm. be able to do a simulation model, which I had hoped to do on my K award. Mm-hmm. Um, you really need the right primary data to put into that model to get a good value mm-hmm. out of that model. And so I hope to still do that, but that I have to take uh, a multiple year sort of hiatus of um, within mm-hmm. um RO1 application that will look at um, the patients that we're test- seeing in clinic with penicillin allergy and what happens afterwards, um, so that we can really understand the effectiveness of the intervention to be able to uh, account for it correctly.
0: Where does erythromycin fall in this? Mm-hmm. Is it one of is you know you were talking about the different yeah, classes and that's the a completely other...
1: different one. Mm-hmm. So um, so erythromycin chlorithromycin and azithromycin those are all (laughs) uh, macrolide antibiotics Mm -hmm. and those are becoming a really common allergy because they're commonly used especially Mm -hmm. azithromycin that's the z um so those are commonly used when you have a penicillin allergy for a lot of sort of respiratory or sinus infections Mm -hmm. um yeah, uh, lots of sort of bronchitis, and and uh, those are related to one another. So with those allergies, we don't have a, a beautiful test, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But we're we do skin testing with the whole drug in a diluted form. Um, on the skin the same way we would with um, a penis, w- the way that penicillin allergy testing mm-hmm. was developed um, with the hope that maybe if you are truly allergic to erythromycin, maybe you could still take azithromycin or chlorhythromycin. And mm-hmm. so we um, go through this process with really any drug out there. There are now um, chemotherapies, biologics. Um, all, you know, uh, all sorts of different new medicines that are coming every day, checkpoint inhibitors, they're all causing different sort of side effect and drug allergy profiles. And um, one of the uh, most interesting things on the side while I'm doing all my penicillin allergy research since that's already been worked out, um, is to see what we can kind of figure out as far as mechanisms of these allergies that are happening and how they're different by what the drug is um, and what kind of tests we could possibly develop to prevent Um, or diagnose the allergies. Thank
0: you, Dr. Blumenthal. It's been a pleasure having this conversation with you.
1: Thank you for having me. I had a wonderful time. Next
0: time on Think Research.
1: It was sort of an accidental discovery. um, And so we actually built a observational study around the question of does your primary lighting source um, affect indoor air pollution? And... Um, To our great surprise, what you use for lighting actually was the greatest predictor of indoor air pollution inside your house.
0: We hear from Dr. Peggy Lai on lighting and indoor air pollution in Uganda. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please rate us on iTunes and help us spread the word about the amazing research taking place across the Harvard community. To learn more about the guests on this episode, visit our website, Catalyst.harvard.edu slash think research.